The chameleon is a master of disguise. No matter what environment it is placed in, it will change its color to fit in. One of the fundamental aspects of being a Christian, however, is that we should be easily identifiable. But for many, rather than stand out, we would prefer just to blend in with our surroundings. The problem is that we end up looking, sounding, and acting just like the world around us. In doing so, we lose all the marks of being a follower of Jesus. We have to fight the urge to fit in and embrace our new life in Christ. Join us today as we start our new series called Chameleon, right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Venture Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and as always, so thankful that you are joining us, and also, we believe that you are here listening to this podcast for a reason and a purpose, and we believe that God will show you a reason why he has you where you are at this moment in time. So, um, we are here for a new series, we're excited, Chameleon, right, uh, fighting the urge to fit in. And uh, so we've been off for a couple of weeks. I hope your last couple of weeks went well for everybody. Uh, but I'm excited to just kind of dive right in uh, to our new series. I'm excited for it. I believe uh, God is speaking uh, through this as always, uh, but um, just more so than ever. I don't know. It just uh, it feels like it's going to be a great series, great podcast, and I'm looking forward to uh, sharing it with you all. So um, start off with I want to I want to share a story. Uh, there was a young man. Um, he was 16 years old. He was an ROTC student, and on this day, he was wearing his uniform. And he was walking to school from his house one day, and on route to the school, there were all 12 or 15 of his peers kind of hanging outside the front entrance that he had to pass by. He couldn't, he couldn't get any other way. His classmates kind of laughed as he walked by. Uh, they used some language that wasn't probably very popular, or uh, I should say proper. <laughs> um, and a couple of them even shoved him a little uh, because he stood out, because he didn't subscribe to the norms. He, he didn't fit into the standard image and style, and he, and he chose a different path in his life. Today, uh, we are beginning this brand new uh, series, and it's all about this same concept, standing out. Uh, the chameleon is the master of disguise, and no matter what environment it's placed in, it will change its color to disguise itself and fit in. Remember that, that one of the fundamental aspects of being a Christian is that we are easily identifiable when placed against the backdrop of the world. We, we naturally stand out, like the ROTC student in our story. However, the truth is that for many of us, we would rather blend in with the crowd than stand out in it. Today we are going to look at a very clear statement from the Bible regarding this topic of ours. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, that'd be great if you could turn with us uh, to the book of Romans chapter 12. And I want to read uh, the second verse of this chapter uh, written by the Apostle Paul. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this age, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. In this sentence, Paul shows us the contrast we are going to unpack today, fitting in versus standing out. Many of us can remember how important it was, or maybe even is, if you're listening and you're in high school, to, to fit in during the high school years, right? Uh, it can feel like the, the only way to maintain a, good, maintain a good number of friendships is by conforming your personality and habits to those around you who appear to have it all together. Let me, let, let me re-say that, who appear to have it all together, right? Nobody has it all together. So the, the upside is, though, that if you conform and fit in, you can begin to form a sense of community that you may never have experienced before, right? Um, you know, when I was growing up in high school, or actually all the way through up to high school, I was picked on and was kind of an introverted kid. Um, and so when I got to high school, I was able to try to conform and fit in, in which I did a little bit, and I experienced um, a, a community that I never had before. But just like the upside, there's a downside. And that what you'll be experiencing is, is that it's a false community, right? That if you're conforming to fit in, then you're actually experiencing a fake community. Because the only reason you were accepted was due to the person you were pretending to be, right? Because once others discover who you really are, they may, they may leave, right? Um, of course, they may also stay. Uh, you know, maybe they'll forgive you. But either way, that whole process can be uh, traumatizing, right? Right. Uh, as Christians, we are called to be like Christ. We're to treat others like Christ and interact with the world like Christ. If if we say we are Christians and continue living like everyone else, uh, let's let's just let's just call what it is and what the world thinks we are, anyways. And that's hypocrites, right? Okay. Uh, so let me let me share a story. Um, we had a member of our our church. Uh, this is years ago, before I was a, uh, the senior pastor, um, the pastor before me um, told this story uh, to a few people. Um, never, I don't know the name. Um, I'm not going to share a name because I don't really know for sure the name of the member. Uh, but basically, the, my pastor went into a barber shop. And when he was going into this barber shop, one, this member came walking out of the barber shop. And they said, hi, you know, and talked for a minute or two. And after they were done talking, the pastor went in to the barber shop and sat down and got in the chair. And the barber asked him, hey, how do you know so-and-so? And my pastor said, well, he's a member of our church and I'm his pastor. And they were like, he's a member? He's a Christian? Really? I would have never guessed that in a million years. You see, you may have entire friend groups that know nothing of your faith or who you are in Christ. But just like we experienced in high school or other places, these are false communities who only like us for who we're pretending to be. God is calling us as followers of Christ to stand out rather than to fit in. And it's not an easy process, but it's an important one. Some of the questions we'll be tackling throughout this, this podcast series are, what does conforming look like? And, and what are the patterns we as humans are tempted to conform to? And, and what does true transformation look like in our lives by Christ's definition? And then once we know what transformation looks like, what is the purpose behind it? You know, Well, we first have to get a grip on what conforming actually looks like in our world. The word conform means to assume a similar outward form by following the same pattern, 
Okay, so with that in mind, we need to ask, how do we stand out then? How do we fight this urge and, and instead of fitting in, we stand out? Well, there are two points that I want to address in this, this episode to be able to stand out. Uh, let's talk about the first one, okay? Uh, we must confront our conforming, okay? We must confront our conforming. Because I wonder how many of us have tried to model our behavior after someone we looked up to or admired, right? I'll give you an example for me. I remember trying to admire uh, and look up to, I want to be like Mike, Michael Jordan, right? We saw those commercials everywhere. I want to be like Michael Jordan, okay? But as you grow up, it's almost like you try on others' characteristics to see what fits, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? But, but, but what happens when those patterns and behaviors grow up with you and they become your habits and characteristics? What, what if you don't like them and what if you don't like who you've become? Well, then there must be a confrontation. And this can obviously happen a multitude of different ways, both externally and internally. But as believers, we can expect that we will, at different times in our lives, be confronted with the truth of God, right? And so I want you guys, if you can, um, turn with me to John chapter 4, uh, so we can all see firsthand what this kind of divine confrontation might look like. And I'm going to read John uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. I hope you can follow along with me. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well, and it was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone in town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up from him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and, I, and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for, for you, have, you had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and, and, and is here, and now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. In John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a woman from Samaria at a well. And something you need to know and understand in this culture, the Jews, of which Jesus was one, did not associate with Samaritans. They did everything in their power to avoid interactions with them. In fact, most Jews would not travel through Samaria and would instead take a longer route to avoid Samaria and any contact with Samaritans. However, Jesus doesn't care about social norms and taboos. He is interested in the redemption of all humankind. So he goes to meet this woman as he, she comes to draw water around noon that day. Usually all the women would come to draw water much later in the day, but this woman was so ashamed of her lifestyle that she wanted to avoid encounters with anyone. Nevertheless, Jesus met her and offers her living water. He makes her aware that her lifestyle will never truly fulfill her and will leave her thirsty. He says, the fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. You see, Jesus calls out the way she is living in order to offer her the better way of life found only in himself, the Christ. You see, the path to deep transformation has to begin with confronting the negative worldly patterns in your life. For the woman at the well, it happened in an actual encounter and conversation with Jesus who drew her attention to the destructive power uh, patterns of her life. So, so maybe Jesus is trying to call out things in your life that, that bring no eternal value. Or maybe you've been following the patterns of those around you because it's much, much easier to fit in rather than to stand out. Maybe you know you can keep friendships, right, if you just fit in and follow others' leads. Or maybe Jesus offering you the better way of life here and now. Jesus, just like his encounter with the woman of the well, he is offering you living water and abundant life. And we know that through John 10, 10. So what will you do with his invitation? Do you want to get well? Let's read another story. Uh, it's from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Uh, let me read that to you. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has, found, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to point me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. In other words, he's saying they cut, cut in. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. In this story, Jesus meets a man who has been an, an invalid for 38 years and is laying at the pool. Um, and actually, in order to get to this particular man, it, ha it appears that Jesus must have passed many others who were sick or handicapped, right? He said they were disabled and paralyzed and, and whatnot. So, so what was so special about this one man? Why didn't Jesus just heal everyone in the pool that day, right? Because he could have, right? I'm not sure I know all the answers to the questions this passage brings up, but I do know it was time for the man to confront his conforming. Jesus literally confronts him there at the pool. He says, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had spent a long time in this condition, he asked him, do you want to get well? What Jesus was looking at was a man who had fully conformed to his circumstance. 
This is evident in his reply to Jesus when he says, I, am, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm on my way, someone else goes in before me. They're cutting in front of me, right? Well, obviously, the handicapped man was discouraged. He couldn't see a pathway to healing, right? And yes, he wanted to be well, but, but when confronted with Jesus' simple question, he was only able to respond with the reality he believed he occupied. He could only see the obstacles in front of him. And I would argue that his condition, his suffering, his discouragement, and everything else that's wrong with him had conformed his thinking to a mindset of hopelessness. Little did he know, while he was staring at the pool of water in front of him, the, the living waters of Christ were staring into his soul, looking to bring healing and wholeness into his life on this particular day. This story and this example make you honestly wonder how many times a similar thing has happened in your life. How many times have you been staring at that thing that you've been conformed to stare at and you completely missed the invitation of Christ Jesus our Lord? The same question Jesus asked 2,000 plus years ago is still relevant today. Do you want to get well? Or maybe you can say it another way. Do you want the transformative power of God in your life? In other words, do you want God in your life? This leads to the second point I want to address on how do we stand out, and, and that is we need to understand that the world conforms while the word transforms. Let me say it again. The world conforms while the word transforms. The words of Christ challenged and confronted the man at the pool, just like the words of Christ continue to challenge and confront us today. So much of the messaging you hear in life is, in, is inviting you to conform to a worldly image that falls short of the glory of God. Things like, you know, you know you just buy a nicer car. Even though your car works great, just buy a nicer one. Or, or get a new home. Even though your home's great and it works well and you've been taking care of it, you need a new home, right? You deserve better. You deserve more. You deserve all this happiness. And, and I'm not telling you that, that God does not want you to be happy. He just wants you to be happy in the right things, right? And he also reminds you we're not always going to be happy. Okay, But the world always tells us better, more, bigger, better, blah, 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 right? The messaging of the Bible, however, invites you into the, into the transformative power of God, right? And so the world conforms, the word transforms. And if you are listening today and you are trying to figure out why the negative pattern in your life still seems to be present, I'm just going to throw something. I'm just going to confront you, Okay. Maybe it has a correlation to the time you spend with God in his word. And the reason I say that as a pastor, when, when people come to me, and they do all the time, and share things of what they're struggling with, the negative things that are going on in their life, what they, they're trying to get advice and doing all these things, and one of the first questions I always ask them, are you reading scripture every day? And over 90% of them will say no. You, they will say no. I don't spend time with God in his word. You see, the world around us will gladly give us things to fill our time. And before we know it, we have not spent any time with God. I believe that the more time we spend with God, the more we, we will begin to look like his son Jesus. Not that we will ever be Jesus. We'll just look more like him and, and act more like him, right? As Paul says in Romans 12 too, we need to have our minds renewed. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? 
simply tells us, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Our minds are the most powerful supercomputers in the world, and they are hardwired to store and recall all the information you take in throughout a lifetime. So maybe it's time for a bit of rewiring regarding the filling of your mind. I believe we all are in need of spiritual and mental renewal. Let me tell you from my personal experience, the, book, the, the, the Bible, this book that we always are speaking from, okay, is the source of, of what you are seeking. Anytime, place. God is ready to meet you right where you are, to take you where he wants you to be. So do you want to be healed? Do you want the transformative power of God in your life? Do you, do you want the abundant life Christ refers to in John chapter 10, verse 10? Renewing your mind, being transformed, and not conforming to the world around you, these things are not easy. I get that. They're just not. But I'm going to share something with you. They're absolutely worth it. You see, you can look all around you, discover how to fit in, and look like everyone else. It's easy to do. You can act like everyone else, and you can even literally, literally look like somebody. We, we, we have plastic surgery that can create you to look like somebody else, right? However, you have to look up and within to learn the art of standing out for Christ. So here are some things I want to challenge you with uh, during this podcast series, okay? What is God trying to do in your heart as, as we begin this series? Okay, what is God trying to do in your heart as we begin the series? And, and what kind of self-reflective journey do you need to embark on this week or in the upcoming weeks to take steps towards transformation? And I'm going to share that. Some of you are going to go, Dan, I've already been transformed. I'm a Christian. Well, I'm going to share with you, I, myself, am always looking for God to transform me. I think it's an everyday process. You know, I, yes, I am saved, but God continues to trans, trans, makes a transformation in my life, right? And then what needs to happen in your daily routine to make room for the word of God? I think you need to find space and time every single day. You pick the time and, and place and, and whatever to, to make room for the word of God, to dive into scripture, okay? You see, God desires to see you transformed. The question is, do you want it? Do you want it? Jesus came to a world that he easily could have conformed to. But he chose to stand out. And because he took this path, the result was his death on a cross. But you know what? The story wasn't over. In fact, it was just beginning. And so I'm going to finish up with asking you one more question. Are you going to conform or are you going to stand out? I'm looking forward to speaking with you guys more on fighting the urge to fit in. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that um, you will be back with us next week as we continue our series on Chameleon, Fighting the Urge to Fit In. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Venture Ministries, or you'd like to help support us financially, please visit us at venturechurch.ch.